Okay, everybody, welcome to the Life Point Table Talk podcast. Uh, this is part two of week ten. We just did part one, our Old Testament reading. I am Jason, here with Pastor Tyler. I am Tyler, hello. And we are going to do our New Testament reading now. And we are at Mark ten thirty-two on the dot to Mark thirteen thirty-seven. That's what we're going to be talking about here. Um, so let's get into it. So let's start off here, Mark ten thirty-two. Um, it starts off Jesus again explicitly detailing how he will be betrayed. Beat, mocked, whipped, killed, and rise again. I'm not sure how many times he's done this at this point, but mm, yeah, it's uh, uh, pretty amazing how detailed, especially this one is. It's pretty specific to everything that happens to him coming up. Right. Um, we get into James and John asking to sit at his right hand. Mm-hmm. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. If yep. you want to listen back to that in Matthew, it's a little more detailed. And Matthew has a mom. Mom's missing in Mark. Ah, yeah, that's the, that's the mom difference. Mom was in there. And Matthew, is, it was mom saying, hey, got these two boys here. Okay. I want you to hook them up. And, and, and Mark is saying it was them. Mm-hmm. Huh? Well, and Mark, that's kind of Mark's M.O. throughout his gospel is... Um, he doesn't paint the disciples in a very glorious light often. Mm, and I think it's it really it's it's on his theme of discipleship. He wants us to learn from them and to be discipled and to grow and it's almost like you're it's you know, don't do this yeah. kind of feeling, you know. But it's yeah. an, still an amazing passage. It is. Uh Jesus responds asking, Can they drink the cup? Can they be baptized like him? And the answer is actually yes, which is amazing, uh, which had to do with their uh, future, uh, what, martyrdom? Persecution and martyrdom, yeah, both both of them. And uh, at the end there, he says it's not up to him. Again, we got into that. Um, Let's see. Yeah, and and I love it too because what they're wanting is they're wanting to sit at his right and left hand. They're wanting to be exalted. So it's this very big theme also in Mark yeah. where the first will be last and the last will be first. Yeah, that's, and, that's the what not to do. Yeah, and I love it too because he says, he, he basically says this is how the world does it. They lord it over people, they exercise authority, but my kingdom's a different way. Yeah, It looks differently, and, I, and this is one of the coolest verses in all the New Testament. And he says, and this is exactly what it looks like. In verse 45, it says, For the Son of Man... Did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Mm. Like that's actually what this kind of exaltation looks like. Yeah. In God's kingdom and God's economy. Yeah, it's awesome. Upside down. And I, I geek out on the, the word ransom. Oh, it's so I wanna, good. I it's huge. I understand the details of that totally. Um No, it's a redem it's redemption talk and rescue yeah. and ransom and Um we get into the blind man uh, loudly bothering Jesus, <laughs> and um, <laughs> Jesus asks, what do you want from me? Oh, I love that. Um, He's like pulling on his faith. 
Yeah. He knows. He knows what he wants. And he and he says it. Your faith has made you whole. Yeah. Which is a uh, uh, something he says often in these healing situations. Um. Awesome. Let's see. Then we get into eleven. This is the triumphal entry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus enters on the donkey. People are spreading their coats on the ground, singing Hosanna, bless coming kingdom of our father David. Um, that sticks out because yeah. that kind of gives you an idea of what they were thinking this king was going to be like, the conquering uh, David. Um, and this... Uh, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. the The order here in Mark is a little different on some of these sequences. It is, especially with the fig tree. Yeah, it says then he goes in and just looks around. Yeah, and in Matthew, the fig tree is a lot easier to understand because he's just been talking about through parables about Israel kind of missing it, mm-hmm. and uh, which is going to come later here in Mark, and and not seeing you know Jesus for who he was, and so their fruit isn't showing yeah and so he's there have to be cut off at least for a time so he curses the fig tree and then it just moves on yeah then it is yeah just he then it goes to the temple where he drives out um the people selling and buying um that famous passage yeah which is and this is one of those passages too that i wish we could just have a, a actual look in to that time because especially in the Passover season, it was bonkers. Mm. I mean, there was just, I don't know, maybe even 100,000 up to that. Visitors coming with their sacrifice. But this is taking place in the Gentile court. So it had a feel of like an Oriental bazaar, Hmm. like that sort of thing. And uh, so instead of being a place of prayer and this place of of solemn holiness, it looks like like a circus almost. things we have like the, the fair the, the carnival <laughs> the fair. yeah it's it's almost like that sort of vibe sell your wares kind of thing yeah and it was never its original intent yeah that that's a famous house of prayer yeah it's never my my house shall be called a house of prayer but you've made it a robber's den hmm. um then 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 it jumps to the fig tree mm-hmm and it's dead uh, the next morning, or I think it says that the next morning, which is different from Matthew, which I think was immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the language there where he's talking about those who believe can throw a mountain into the sea. Yeah. Um, awesome poetic language there. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's faith talk right there. Yeah. And and it's interesting too, right? The very next line, he's talking about forgiveness when you pray. Um, If you have anything against anyone Mm -hmm. to uh, settle that right in the middle, you know, pretty important. Yeah. This, this super human faith. uh, He talks about the importance of forgiveness. The very next line. Yeah. You know what? Real quick to backtrack. One big difference from Mark and Matthew, too, with the temple and him turning over the tables is this is fascinating to me. In Mark thing, it says the triumphant entry, and they, they, they you know, say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Hosanna in the highest. And it says in verse 11, Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple. And after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany with the twelve. Mm-hmm. And in Matthew, it's just straight in. Straight they march in straight to the temple. Yeah. He sees what's going on. And in Mark, it's like it's almost like a, what do you call that? A um, Reconnaissance? Oh, yeah, yeah. Checking it out. Like checking it out. Like, wait, what's going on here? And like went back to Bethany, which he often did, was went, you know, mm-hmm. went off to a more private place. And then it says on the next day, um, then it's the fig tree and then coming back in the temple. So and I think I that think, was pretty fascinating. I think those are things that uh, maybe bother some people or maybe bother me when I was younger, these differences. They don't bother me anymore so much. No. It just seems like total two different people telling the story. Yeah. yeah, and they both have very different kind of uh, audiences and different things they're driving at, the yeah. way they told their story. So it's pretty cool. And 11 ends there with uh, the Pharisees trying to trick him uh, about his authority, whose authority he has. Mm. And he turns the tables on him and says, how did John have authority? And they can't answer him. So he says, so I won't answer you. Mm -hmm. I love it. And I love it too. He specifically, I think this is very specifically brings up John because of the very first thing in chapter 12. With the parable, with the uh, vineyard and the way they treated the prophets, yeah, Yeah. he's saying it's John's part of that whole, that whole deal. Yeah, like he was kind of the last of that. Yeah, and um, I don't want to do too much on it. We've done that, Uh, but it's the Mm -hmm. an owner has has a vineyard and he's what? how, How do you say it? How do you describe that story there? The parable, yeah. Well, it's it's the parable of the vine growers is what my translation says. He planted the vineyard, built the tower. Uh, he sent a slave to the, to the vine uh, growers. They took him and beat him, sent him away again. He sent them another slave, and they wounded him in the head, <laughs> treated them shamefully, mm-hmm. and he sent another, and just on and on and on. And then finally, he says, "I have one more to send, my son, who I love." Right, which is so cool because in Mark that exact phrase in the Greek he's used twice now, and that's at his baptism. This mm-hmm. is my son that I love, and also on the Mount of Transfiguration, exact same phrase, the son that I love. Yeah, and they'll 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 kill him. Yeah. So he what he's saying is, through through the ages I've sent you prophet after prophet after prophet. You've done whatever you wanted with them. You've beaten them. You killed them. You haven't listened to them. So you're not going to listen to my actual very son. And I think there, I I don't know, I was reading this again, and I was kind of jumped out of me. This uh, The translation I'm saying, it says he leased it. He leased this land. Yeah, it's always his. Um, That you're thinking? Yeah, but in in a kind of sovereignty situation where it's his, but he's given authority to these other people. Mm -hmm. They have a certain power and say in what they're doing. Right. Um, he's in charge of it, but he, they are obviously making decisions he doesn't yeah. like. And I think you know it's what I mean? important what you said said there, and we talked about this before we started, is he's specifically talking about these leaders, too. Mm-hmm. Your average Jew 2,000 years ago wasn't a Pharisee or a Sadducee or a scribe. They were just a farmer stonemason just trying to live and survive and be a good devout jew 
And he's coming against these leaders and how they have led them astray. They had a responsibility. They had a responsibility, and it's been taken away, and they haven't listened to the prophets that have been sent before, uh, ending with John, which he just talked about. Wow. With John the Baptist, who Jesus calls the greatest of them, you know, and now it leads up to Jesus himself, and they're not going to listen to him either. Yeah. And that goes right into, they then uh, try to trick him on taxes. Again? Yep. And that's awesome. Uh, Yeah. He makes them give him a coin and says whose face is on it. It's a classic render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Yep. And uh, these these are so I I I I hate that I'm almost over familiar with it. It's like oh yeah, but it you know it's saying right there the how amazed they all were these things you know yeah he's catching them off guard. They it wasn't at all what they were expecting to hear. Um. Then they're asking him about the resurrection. Mm. Uh, it's this whole deal about who's going to be whose wife or husband in the next life. Um, and I thought this was cool. Yeah. He, he says, but it, it was this state, I forget how it said it, but he says, you don't know the answer basically because you don't know scripture. Oh my gosh. It's like the best. right away. <laughs> well, here's what jumped out at me. He says you're wrong. Isn't it not because you don't know the scripture or something yeah. like that? You know? Yeah. Well, here's, and this is going to sound like overly simplistic, but like you said, we get a little, we get a little familiar with these passages. Mm-hmm. This time around, I just got so excited that Jesus believes in the resurrection. Mm. Like that's pretty great news right there. Like it's legit. Yeah. Jesus is defending the resurrection, so it must be real, it must be true, it must be something that we can look forward to and expect, that he is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Like, yeah. I, it just really jumps out at me this time, like, yeah. oh, no, he's really driving home. This is for real, because the Sadducees didn't believe in the supernatural. Right. And that's what he said. He says, is this not the reason you are mistaken, that you do not understand the scriptures or the power of God? Hmm. Which that really jumped out at me as well. Yeah, I love that. The, the the phrase he uses, the God of the living. Yeah. And then he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, meaning they're alive yeah. right now. They're, we can't <laughs> process that entirely, where they're at, but they're with him. Yeah, that's um, awesome, awesome passage there. Yeah, and the marriage thing, that's <clears throat> we don't have the time to really you know break that wide open because it's pretty loaded too. But one thing I took away too is because you can – it can be a little challenging too because it feels like you know you're not going to be there's no marriage in heaven there you you know because the whole thing they're asking whose wife is she going to be they've she's gone through like seven different brothers Mm -hmm. and he says you you know just like the angels in heaven you don't marry but there may not be marriage per se in heaven but there still is love Hmm. and love personified in its most real form this yeah. eternity with God. So I think that that I don't know. I took that away from that. That they may not marry anymore in heaven, but it doesn't mean that that love doesn't still exist. Right. With your loved ones, with everyone else. Yeah. And in its purest, like most, you'll know them. Yeah. It's like it, even better. And never ask. I mean, that's a legit question. You know? Yeah. <laughs> even though they're trying to trick you. Yeah. Like, what's like, going on? Um. And so many people were remarried and yeah. with, without this specific scenario with the brothers. 
Um, all right, then we get into here this what's the most important commandments yeah and uh we were just reading this on the other podcast i believe it was deuteronomy 6 it sure was and it's the shema here god is one love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and also love your neighbor as yourself mm, that's leviticus 19 and it combines them yeah um uh, and this is the the guy is answering that part, I think. Somebody's, yeah, mm-hmm. who he's Describe. talking to. And he says it's better than burnt offerings. Um, and he says you're not far from the kingdom. Mm. You're starting to get it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. You're starting to get it. Yeah. Um, then there's this part about him saying he's Lord. Yeah, he this, challenges them. This is the part where he quotes... A psalm where David is saying, the Lord said to my Lord. <laughs> yeah, and I love it too. After he says, you're not far in the kingdom of God, it says, after that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we've been talking about that, how... They marveled at his... He he had the scripture down. Mm. You know, he would... he uh, His knowledge of them was incredible. Um. He gets into uh, talking about beware the hypocrite scribes. Their outward uh, search for honor, outward honor, and it and it segues into uh, the poor widow giving. Yeah, uh, what she has out of her poverty that she gave more because she was giving out of her poverty. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It is, and it's the, I love the contrast too because it goes on about like. They walk around in their long robes and their chief seats and everything, and it's like he's contrasting the scribes and right their fancy fancy pants, you know, <laughs> literally their fancy pants, yeah. into this widow who just—it's that last shall be first theme continuing yeah. on. Yeah, and it's also this like—I don't know this what with what she had, uh, uh, she was able to do this amazing thing. It wasn't mm-hmm. about necessarily all this amount it was about the heart and what she had yeah. and what she was doing with what she had you know um yeah which because it wasn't much yeah and then we get into 13 here um it's a big one he predicts the temple being torn down is this the part where they're saying how pretty it is yeah okay yeah. behold what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings <laughs> yeah I love that. Yeah. And uh, and then his answer is, you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah. Totally. yeah. And, uh, and it was interesting, too, is he's, he likens himself to the temple, you know, his body. Yeah. But this, this has really stood out to me. Verses 1 and 2 are public. It says, as he was going out of the temple... So it's it's a kind of a public setting. They say, what wonderful stones, what wonderful buildings. And he says, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. In other words, it's an earshot. The crowds, people that are pursuing him, both for him and against him. Mm-hmm. Well, that will, it'll be twisted, but that will be used against him in his trial. Right. Not, lo- right. not long, which yeah. is they accuse him that he's going to destroy the temple. The temple. 
But then verse 3, it changes, it shifts, and it says he's sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. Peter and James and John and Andrew were questioning him. And they were right there, the word privately. Mm. So it goes from public to private. And that really jumped out at me, like that little inner circle. They get the... It's talked about that before, where yeah. he explains things better to them. He'll mm-hmm. give everybody else a, a kind of general they have parable. ears to hear, eyes to see. Mm. It's going to land on that fertile that fertile soil for the most part. And that's when we get into this whole uh, sequence here. I guess it's... Um, they want to know when this is all going to happen. F- famous or... Uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Yeah, Mark 13 is one of the most talked about chapters in the whole Bible. So this is where we're talking about rumors of wars, nation against nation, earthquakes and famines. These are all birth pains for the end. Um, mm-hmm. And we encourage you to to dial up uh, the older podcasts with Pastor Katrina because she did an amazing job yeah. breaking this down and talking about how he's talking about different times and he's actually kind of kind of in a holding pattern of answering their initial question until some verses later yeah and the initial question is about the temple yeah when's that going to happen yeah the destruction and and you were you were talking earlier about kind of a synopsis or or a, a way of looking at this differently instead of the all the the intricate details of what he's saying like uh, yeah well what jumped out at me is is no matter what your view of you know of mark 13 and the different ways it's been interpreted is you can get kind of caught up in the whole end time narrative and the anxiety and the worry and the trying to figure stuff out and getting bogged down in the detail and all the minutiae. Abomination when, of desolation. Yeah, all the stuff. When, you when can, and where. The, yeah, and all the rabbit holes, which, I mean, you know, there's that time and that place. But, but this time around, what I came away with is that really at the heart of this is it's a warning against being deceived by false claims about the end being near and by individuals who will try to pass themselves off as prophets or even something more. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, that's good advice for today as well as back then. Yeah. To not get led astray. Don't get don't get distracted by this stuff and take your eyes off the prize, which is Jesus. Yeah. And being tethered to him. Because you're going to see in this passage over and over again uh, words like, don't be frightened. Don't be scared. Be on your guard. Don't worry. Mm. Like he's encouraging them. Mm-hmm. It's not a discouragement. He's saying, yes, these things are going to have to happen, and they will happen. But don't be frightened. Yeah. Be on your guard. Be alert. And I, I, I was just what we were talking about before, the um, uh, parable of the tenants. It ends there with him talking about stay awake and alert because the master of the house will return. Mm, yeah. This similar kind of analogy of this. This is his. You guys have a certain responsibility right now, and I'm going to be coming back, so be ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was their kind of prayer when they would gather the, the church. When it first got going, they would end a lot. Of, they would end their time together saying, Mara Natha, 
which means Lord come. It's Aramaic, yeah. Lord come. Yeah, it's amazing. They were expecting that, and they've been expecting, we've all been in times expecting his return for 2,000 years. And I think that's so, that's so good. The, the, what you're saying, there's this comfort there to this idea of the Lord returning, setting yeah. things right. But there's also an, uh, uh, I don't want to say, there's a warning. Be awake. Vigilance. Be ready. No, and, you know, and, so it's like this, both this comfort and this like, uh, be ready, kind of, you know. And he's not sugarcoating it. He's saying that that some of you are going to be persecuted, killed. I mean, there's some some hard stuff being said here, but but the whole point of it, you know, at the core is to not be, don't be afraid. Yeah, and I don't can't worry. help. I I love his this poetic language in here about yeah the sun darkened, the moon gives no light, the stars fall from the sky, the powers in heaven shaken. Um, the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power. Yeah, it's just. Um, I I love all that uh, verbiage and poetry there. Oh yeah, and he will send forth the angels and gather his elect from the four winds. Yeah, that's just incredible. I, and I don't I don't want to mean poetry like I'm saying I don't think it's real or anything. I just literally the way he's using words here is really. Mm impactful you know um and at one point it he he literally says if if the lord doesn't cut the day short there'd be no one left yeah at one point um it's intense but then the like you said the one part he's saying you'll be persecuted uh but don't be anxious because the holy spirit will speak through you mm-hmm. you know there's mm-hmm. this comfort and and a vigilance like you said mm-hmm. that's really and I he's saying, and, and there's mission and there's purpose. He's saying there's work to do. Yeah. He says this this gospel message has to be preached to all the nations before the end can come. Yeah. So he's obviously he's sustaining that right now by his grace. Yeah. And we're not to those quite yet to those yeah. days that will be cut short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because there's work to do and be about your father's business. Yeah. With confidence and uh, without anxiety. Yeah, that's great. No matter what comes. I, I think that's a really great way to look at that. Um, so we'll, we'll end there. That's that's about right where our reading ended with uh, 37. And uh, so we'll end with that, my friends. Stay awake and alert. Yeah. And be comforted. The Maranatha, mas- Lord come. The master of the house will return. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. and Yes, this is so much listening. fun. And uh, I was really uh, blessed by this, this reading this week, and I hope you were as well. Yeah, stick with us. So. Keep at it, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Have a good week.